Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Uh, we'll be in Romans chapter 5 this morning, <clears throat> and uh, we've been making our journey uh, through the book of Romans. Um, verse 1 is, is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It is just a tremendous verse. But these first five verses here, I, it is just like a big T-bone steak to me. It is, it is such good, rich meat and and probably could very easily preach um, many, many, many weeks on just these five verses. Uh, so uh, so let's, let's be excited about the Word of God says. Let's stand and honor God's Word as we read it. Uh, try to pay close attention to these words the Apostle Paul writes. <clears throat> Starting with verse number one. <clears throat> Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We just shout hallelujah right there. Amen. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amen. Anybody here just waiting for that uh, glory of God to appear? And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, I, I thank you for the service this morning. Thank you for our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the freedom to be here, the health to be here, the, the comfortable building, Lord, to be sitting in. And Lord, I pray, Lord, now as we open up this precious word of yours, Lord, so very precious. Lord, you hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me. But, oh, God, may we all go away with a greater understanding of your word and what it says, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. So let's just kind of pick this apart and go through this just a little bit. So every, we've been trying to understand what salvation is, and probably nothing that I have preached in this series is not something that we haven't preached before, but this is a systematic way of doing it. And what I mean by that is we, we have random messages here, there, and yonder about salvation and probably have covered all of these things in the past, <clears throat> but now we're systematically going through uh, verse by verse, and one message builds upon another to establish a foundation and a clarity on what we believe and trying to take everything straight from the Word of God. So for three chapters, we learn that we're no good, all right? We, we learn we're sinners. Every one of us are sinners. There's no one good. Everyone is bad. Uh, that is what the Bible says. We get to chapter four. We learn that we can be justified by faith uh, if we believe, but we also learn that it is not of works, that it is by faith. That's what we learned, Okay. We come to verse number one in chapter five, and that word, therefore, <clears throat> we've all heard this before, but Paul is saying, everything I just told you for four verses, because of that, now let me say this. 
And that's what the word therefore really literally means. It is, it is referencing the things that are behind it, the four chapters. He's just argued that we're all sinners. We have nothing to offer God. We're saved by faith. And so therefore, because of that, <clears throat> being justified by faith. I've been preaching this. I've been trying to drive it home. I've tried to prove by the Bible. But when you come up with a faith plus, you now have faith, false doctrine. You guys have that? You know that that we sung that song, and it's a it's a it's an old song, and it's a, a, just a very popular song, and it's a very powerful song. But can I just tell you this? And Josh was kind of making a big deal about it. <clears throat> oh, what can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, and me continuing to do what I'm supposed to do. Right? It doesn't say that. It says nothing but. So we shout hallelujah, but then we say it's nothing but the blood and me. It's nothing but the blood and what I do. It's nothing but the blood and all of my goodness. You don't have any goodness to offer. It's either him or there's nothing. So it is by faith. And that word justified, I looked this up in the Greek, and I thought this was kind of interesting in my mind. That word justified, literally that word means to be declared righteous. So it is saying, I'm going to call you righteous not because you are, but I'm going to declare that you are righteous. Do you guys get that? In other words, there's no righteous people here this morning. There, there's not one righteous person here this morning. But God can call you righteous and you become righteous because he says you're righteous. But in every one of those, you look those words up in the Greek and in every one of those definitions, they come up with like three or four different answers, uh, definitions. But at the end of all of them, I thought this was kind of interesting. At the end of the word justified, the definitions, it says this, as you ought to be, as you ought to be. As you ought to be. You know, as you guys ought to be, that's how Jesus is seeing you. Can we just stop right there and shout hallelujah? The way you should be, Brother Charles, what he wants you to be, that's how he sees you. Blows your mind. He says, the what, what, I, what I want you to be, if you were everything I could ever imagine you to be, if that's what you should be, that's how I see you. Is that fascinating? And that's what the word justified means. So you can't take justified and then go back to chapters 1, 2, 3 and say, I'm going to take some of my dirty works and make it better. Are you guys with me on this? You, you can't do that because it, it is really a twisting of the, of the scriptures. So, so being justified uh, by faith only, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not peace of God. This is peace with God. There's a big difference. Because peace with God means I'm not his enemy anymore. I'm now on his side. Right? We're on the same team. Now, the peace of God, that generally comes with a little bit more maturity when you get old enough in the Lord to, for him to give you peace in bad times. But this is not that. This is, this is something that a new convert can have who is not mature. It is not the peace of God. It is a peace with God. It is simply saying I'm no longer an enemy. How many of you glad we're not enemies of God anymore? You were. You was an enemy. But now you're on his side. Now you're an ally. And so we're no longer enemies. We're at peace with God. Hallelujah. And that all comes by faith. And then we get into verse 2. Uh, boy, you can preach a message on each one of these verses. Uh, they're just so powerful. By whom? By Jesus Christ. Also, we have access. We get in. That's the door. By faith into this grace. So grace is, if you'll have it, grace is the blood of Jesus. Grace is the, is the plan that takes away our sins. How do we get into that plan? There's a plan here where my sins are going to be taken away. How do I get in that? By faith. 
I get into that faith, uh, that I get into that grace by my faith. I have access into it. Access is a doorway to get into uh, where our forgiveness of sins is. And I love this. It says, wherein we stand. This is not a slippery slope. This is not a sinking sand. This is a firm foundation. This is where we stand. I stand on my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven by my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I can look back and see I have nothing to offer God. It is by my faith I'm going to heaven. We stand in that. But don't you love this? If all of that is great. The fact that he calls me righteous. He calls me holy. Uh, he, he, he sees me as I ought to be. I have peace with God. I'm no longer an enemy. All that is great. And I stand on a firm foundation of my faith. But isn't the end of verse 2 just so phenomenal? How many of you here can say, I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? I'm going to heaven, and I can't wait to get there. I'm not saying if the rapture comes, I hope I go. I'm not saying if I die, I hope I make it. I'm not saying, well, we'll see how it turns out. I am saying, hallelujah, I can't wait. When it gets here, I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. There ain't nothing like that feeling of knowing that you're going to heaven. And that, you know, boy, we could preach for a long time on that, but the hope of the glory of God does anybody here ever sit and just think about what heaven will be like? You ever think about what heaven will be like? Do you think you got it right? No. Because no. <laughs> we imagine and we dream and we, we, we think about all these great things. And, and I think we walk in where Spiker goes like, oh my, I could have just a thousand times what I ever expected, right? It's, it's going to be so amazing, but we can hope for it. We, in this flesh, we can, we can fantasize of you. We can, we can believe in what great things it's going to be, but when we get there, we're going to say, wow, that's nothing like I thought. It's so great. And can I tell you, the, the streets of gold and the river of life and the trees on the side and, and the gates of prone, all those things will be kind of neat, but when we see Jesus, everything else will pale because when we see Jesus, he's the one who made us able for us to go there. And we'll spend eternity. Well, you talk about a worship service. We're going to have a worship service. Because when we see Jesus, <laughs> listen, there's only one thing you can do when you see Jesus. Does anybody know what that is? Worship him. There's nothing else you can do. Listen, you don't walk into his presence and say, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do right now. Right? You don't see Jesus say, well, you know, should we take up an offering? I mean, what should, what should we do? Right? You see Jesus one thing, you fall down like the angels on your face, you say, holy, holy. That's the only thing there is to do because he is holy and you want to worship him because he's so great. And after several million years of doing that, we're just going to do it again. Right? So heaven is going to be great. So that is our hope. That is what we stand on. That is our, that is our firm foundation of faith. And so then we ask this question. If you guys are tracking with me at all, and after all of the, everything that I preached, if you guys aren't tracking with me now, um, if you believe a different uh, doctrine than I do, that, that is fine. I just challenge you to go to the Bible and prove what you believe. But if it is true that we go to heaven because of faith, and if it is true it is not of anything else, it is just of faith, and if you guys believe me that that is true, then there's really one question and one question only that we have to ask for everybody here. I'm not going to ask anybody here, are you good enough to go to heaven? Because none of you are good enough. I'm not going to ask you if you've always done things right because you haven't. So there's one question we can ask. Is your faith real? Because we've been preaching there is false faith and there is real faith. So which one is yours? Now wouldn't it just be great 
wouldn't it be so nice if God just gave us a way to know if it's real or not? Wouldn't it be great? I mean, you say, I believe I'm saved by faith, and I believe I go to heaven by faith, but I'm, and I've got faith, but pastor says there's false faith and there's real faith. And wouldn't it be great if I could just know my faith was actually the real faith? Wouldn't that be great? And I have to wait to the end and say, man, I hope when I get there, he says, yeah, you got the real faith. You can go in. Wouldn't it be great to have the, a test to test our real faith? Well, it just so happens we do. Amen. Just so happens we do. Now, after those two glorious verses, verses one and verses two, which we just ought to want to just shout hallelujah, and they're just such good news, it's kind of like Paul throws water on the fire. I mean, it's kind of like a real downer. I mean, you're just up there just rejoicing, and we're just, we're just right here to shout hallelujah. We're saved by faith, and we're going to heaven. We can't wait to get to heaven. And then he says, but, but, but glory and tribulation. <laughs> Paul, that's a real downer. <laughs> I mean, we were just at the top of the mountain rejoicing about going to heaven. And now you say, when tribulations come along, glory in that. How in the world can you glory over tribulation? How many of you are always, whenever your life falls apart and the bottom falls out, you say, praise God, that's what I was hoping to happen today. I am so glad. I, man, I'm so glad things went terrible today. How many of you guys, that's what Paul said to do. What was wrong with him? What was wrong with him? But can I offer to you this morning... This is a very clear test of that faith. It's a test. I'm going to say something. This might, this might offend you. I'll get to a little clarity in, in, the, in the message as we go. But I want, I want to say this. And, and you might, if you don't take this right, please don't spit it out. Just, just chew on it in the back of your mouth for a little bit until I get to the rest of it, all right? T faith that has not been tested is not proven faith. Think about that. So someone comes to the altar, they pray the prayer, we go through the whole thing with them, they, they say all the right words, they cry, they say they're saved, they say they know, they get up and say, I know that I'm saved, praise God. We all say, praise God, he saved someone. That's great. Does anybody here really know if they're saved? They might be faithful for six months and we never see them again. Right? So how do we know that our faith is real? Well, Paul's going to tell us. He said, we glory in tribulation. I'm just going to lump everything into tribulation. Health problems, losing loved ones, financial problems, marital problems, family problems, church problems, work problems, uh, anything you can put in that circle. When we have problems, Paul said, glory in that. Glory in that. You guys with me? <laughs> Ain't nobody going to amen that. <laughs> Glory to God, we got problems. So let's see why he would say such a thing as that. So under the first, uh, the, the first point, proven faith, has your faith been through the fire? Amen. We used to sing that song, uh, Take Me Through the Fire Again. I, you know, that, that, that is a, I love that song, but do you really understand what that's saying? Lord, give me some more problems. <laughs> You've been through the problems again. Give me some more problems, right? Uh, but, but has your faith been tested by, by fire? I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but um, I used to have these thoughts. But Terry, I used to think this. Because the Lord's blessed me with a good life, and I've had pretty good health, and you know things have went pretty good for me most of my life. And, and I, used to, I used to literally have these thoughts. I thought... I'm shouting hallelujah right now. 
if the bottom drops out, will my faith be the same? And I can stand here and say, there is, I'll be like Peter, I'll never deny you, Lord. There's nothing can do to shake my faith. I know I've got faith. You know, we all say that till the bottom drops out. But you don't really know until the bottom drops out. So I fell off the road, shattered my tibia, couldn't walk, uh, thought I was never going to walk again, missed almost a year's work. Uh, life literally turned upside down. Literally had to have my wife and my kids do everything for me. Very humiliating, very humbling, very uh, um, not what I wanted. And you know what I was thinking through that whole thing? I wonder if my faith will go all the way through this. And it did. And it did. I didn't come out of that saying, I don't know if I want to serve God anymore. Look what he did to me. I didn't come out of that saying, why did God do that? I didn't deserve that. I'm a good man. I do all these good things for God. Well, he should have blessed me. I didn't come out of, I didn't come out of there saying, you know, I didn't deserve this. And I didn't come out. You know how I come out of that? I, there was a reason, God, you gave me this and you taught me a lot of lessons through this. And, and praise God, you brought me out on the other side. I still got faith. I believe that's what Paul's teaching us in this scripture. I believe he's teaching us that real faith to know that it is real faith, it has to uh, be tried in the fire. Now, that's not fun, but that is real. So, proven faith doesn't quit. Is anybody with me? Proven faith doesn't quit. Now, I didn't say you won't get sideways. Because we've, we've been through some bad things in this church. And most of us have got a little side. Anybody ever get sideways? Anybody ever get sideways? You, you just, you, you, you got your head all in the wrong place. You're just thinking wrong. So we, we've been there, right? So this isn't saying that if you have faith and your life falls apart, you're just going to stay, you know, rock solid. Sometimes we get sideways. But there's something pulls us back. Is anybody with me? Something pulls us back. It's faith. It's real faith. It, it will, it will, it will keep, we don't quit. See, I, though I believe that faith is what we are saved by, though I do not believe we are saved by works, uh, though, though I believe the only thing that will get us to heaven is faith, I, I don't believe that if you come down here and pray a prayer and you serve the Lord a while and then you go back out and live in the world, I do not believe you're going to heaven because your faith proved not to be real. Now, again, we've preached this many times. Most of us here have had some of those times in our Christian life when we got away from the Lord, right? Didn't really want to go to church, wasn't really doing what we're supposed to do. We did all those things. But there was just something inside that was real. And, you, and, you, and it brought you back, right? And there's not too many people in this church that haven't went through that cycle. But proven faith isn't it good? Isn't it good? Can anybody just, just help me out this morning, you guys? Isn't it good to sit here and say, I've been saved for a long time. I have failed the Lord. I've let him down. I've got away from him. But for 40 years, my faith has proven itself true. Isn't that good? I'm telling you, if your faith is not proven, you don't know that it's real. I know this is really going to, some of you are not going to like this, but Christianity is not a feeling. We've had a lot of people, you know, we, we say, you know, boy, when they come out down there, I've heard this said so many times, boy, they, they stepped out of that and they were, they were broken the second they bought, and they bawled all the way down here, and they come down here, and they just boohooed all the place, and, they, boy, they, and then they got up, they shouted, hello, and they said, I feel it, I know I'm saved. Does that prove that they're saved? 
Because we've seen a whole bunch of those people just go back out in the world and live with sin. So it's not a feeling. We've preached so many times. There's times you feel saved. There's times you don't feel saved. That's not it. But there is a proven faith that does not quit. It keeps going. And Paul is saying you ought to glory in those tribulations because they test your faith. And if your faith can take the test of the, of the trial, it proves itself to be real. Now, what about this? What about faith that grows in problems? Not only you didn't quit, but you got stronger on the other side. I know this isn't fun stuff. I, I, I get that, but it is Bible and it is what we need. So you're going to have to go through some problems and to know that your faith is real, you got you to continue going and you got to grow under it. So, so here's how it kind of works. You know, you lose a loved one, you, you come down with a bad disease, you have a church uh, trial, there's a big split in church, all these different things that can happen to us. You might get sideways, but your faith won't let you just quit. But not only that, when it's over, you're growing because you just went through a really hard time. And that's what the scripture is teaching us. That, that is what it is laying out for us. <clears throat> so let's look through this process a little bit. It's, a, it's really an amazing process. Um, if, we, if we look at the word, um, so it says, we glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That word patience, this, this is so phenomenal, takes us back to camp. This is what the word patience means. It, literal definition in the Greek, it is steadfastness, endurance, and constancy. Anybody like to have that in your life? Now again, I, 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 most of you here are not new converts, but, but again, can you have steadfastness, constancy, and endurance if you're a new convert? Not to go through some problems. It's not just a grit your teeth, I'm going to get through it. It is, a, it is a maturing faith that gets you through problems. So sometimes we have to go through troubles and trials and problems and hardships. And those things, we glory in those because they're going to not only prove our faith, but they're going to make us better. And so that, that tribulation, it works patience. It makes me steadfast. It makes me unmovable. It makes me constant. It gives me endurance to be able to get through whatever comes. And this is how we ought to look at it, church. If you've been through a lot of bad things in your past, whatever lays ahead, God's going to get you through those things too. Right? Nobody here knows what the future holds. We don't know when death's coming. We don't know when tragedies come. We don't know when heartaches come. We don't know any of those things. But here's what we do know. I have a faith that has kept me through everything I've been through. I believe my faith will take me all the way to the end. Amen. That is a faith that is real. And that is a faith that is proven. <clears throat> so then Paul goes on to say that, that patience experience... <clears throat> this is good. I didn't make this stuff up. This is what the, this is what the dictionary said, the, uh, the, Greek, the Greek word. The Greek word for experience is proving. It is a proved. It is a tried character. In other words, what this means is we have the tribulation, and the tribulation causes us to be steadfast and, and unmovable and constant. And because of that, uh, that then now that gives us experience of, of uh, that we can say we've been proven, we've been tried, uh, we we've been approved, we've been through things. And so, um, so I was thinking about. When I was a, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore, but when I was a kid, I remember, I remember, I remember Charles and Brushbike, I remember you guys saying this. When I was a little kid, they would say, well, you know, those young kids starting out, they might have knowledge, but they don't have experience, right? We're talking about on the job. 
And, you know, we hire these guys in, and, you know, and they're young. And, you know, when you're 20 years old, you just think you can take on the world. You know, when you're a guy, you just think you can rule the world when you're 20 years old. You think you got it all right. And, and they send them to all kinds of schools. They didn't have schooling when I, was, when I started. They just stuck us behind the wheel and said, have good luck. <laughs> right? Well, now they, they take months and months and months of training, and they teach these guys everything, and on and on and on and on. And so they, they know all of the rules and all the book learning on how to drive a truck. But you know what they don't have? Experience. Now, I, just, just to be funny just for a minute, <clears throat> you can't teach someone how to go 60 mile an hour sideways down Route 2 on a, until you've done it. Right, Brother Terry? You, you don't, you don't, here's what you do when your truck's going sideways and you think you're about ready to roll. This is what you do. You know how you learn that? You go down the road 20, 60 mile an hour, go sideways down Route 2, then you know how to do that, Right? Now we laugh, but that is the truth. And what we're saying, when we tell those kids that are coming in, we have experience. What we say is, we've been through a lot of things, nearly died, but we must survive. Now we know how to do that. How are we going to teach you how to do that? Well, go out there and go down Route 2 sideways 60 mile an hour, and you'll learn how to do that, right? You truck drivers don't appreciate that, but that's, that's how it works. All right? What I'm saying is, Experience teaches us things that nothing else will. Now we can joke a little bit about working on a job, and that relates to every job that there is out there. I'm sure Brother Charles and Brother Spike could explain to us things that, that happens on the railroad that no one's supposed to know about, that those young kids just would have no clue until it happens to them, right? And once it happens to them, they're like, what do I do? Well, I've done this 10 times before, this is what you do, right? That, that's how this thing works. So is it not the same in a Christian walk? Someone who's been at this thing for a long time, they've been through some problems. Listen, if you've been in church any time at all, you've seen some ugly things in church. You've seen some pastors do things they shouldn't. You've seen some trials. You've seen Christian people not live like they're supposed to. You've seen church splits. You've seen ugly, ugly things. And a new convert comes in, and they're just all uh, just happy that, you know, they're just here, and everything is peachy, and everything's always going to be peachy. They can, and all of a sudden, people start fighting at church. And they say, what do we do? Uh, we've been here before. We can tell you how to do. We, we know. So experience is a very precious thing. But here's the thing, just like those kids at work, there's only one way to get experience. You don't hire in with experience. You get experience after you've done it for a long time. It's the same thing in the church. You don't start, and that's why Paul said glory and tribulation. You're just a young, you're just a young uh, convert. Glory when problems come, because that's how you're going to get to be a mature saint. You're going to get hope, and you're going to get experience, and you're going to get uh, patience, and that's going to form you to be a mature believer. And then he says that experience hope. Now the definition of hope, this is right straight out of the Greek. Joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. If that ain't good, I don't know what is. <laughs> I don't know what is. So if you can put it all together, your life falls apart. You have problems. By going through that problem, it causes you to have patience, which gives you steadfastness and unmovableness. You have that, which then translates into experience because you've been through some problems. And when you've been through some problems, now you have hope that my faith is real and I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And that is glorious. And then he finishes it out with, hope maketh not ashamed. And boy, isn't that good. I believe what that is saying is, when your faith has really been proven, and it's really been through the fire, 
and you've really had a hard time, you don't have to hang your head and say, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven or not. I'm not sure if I'm saved. All you got to do is look back in the rearview mirror and say, yep, my faith is real. My faith is real. It didn't quit. I didn't go back out and sin. I didn't quit living for the Lord. I didn't, get, I didn't start uh, compromising and playing around with sin. I have lived a life of faith, and my faith has proven real. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I know when I first started saying in the church, I, I know a lot of people look at me like, uh, like you know, what is wrong with him? But I used to, when I first started to preach, I used to say, I know that I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm going to heaven. There's one way I won't go to heaven if Jesus is not enough. Because that's all my faith is in Jesus. If he's not enough, I'm not going. But if he's enough, I'm going. So I'm pretty happy I'm going. And a lot of people translated that because of wrong teaching and say, oh, Gary just thinks he's a good person. He never does anything wrong. Oh, no. I got that straight. I do a lot of things wrong. This morning I did several. I've done, I, 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 right? I, I had to come repent at the beginning of the service. Listen, we, we do things all the time. Around, so this is nothing about false ideas about Gary. This is ideas about who I'm trusting in and who I'm trusting in is going to get me there. So I, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I, I am confident of where I am going. <clears throat> Be, and isn't this good? Boy, we I just, I just stop and shout this a little bit on this. Listen, listen to this. So we put all this together. You've been through some problems in your life. Your, your faith has been proven. You've gotten through this process. You've matured now. You have experience. You're not ashamed. And then look what it says. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, this is so good. I could just spend the rest of the message here, and I'd really kind of like to, but, but let, me, let me ask you guys this. Listen, let me, let, me, let me tell you guys. It's okay to shout hallelujah. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to say amen, preacher, preacher. Okay, it's all you're not going to hurt my feelings. I won't get mad if you do that, okay? But let me ask you this question. Is there anybody here in church this morning, I want you guys to get this. Is there anybody in church this morning who's been through some problems, some tribulations, who's had some horrible things happen to them, and though sometimes you just felt like, like there was no way out, is there anybody that can testify in the middle of that you felt a loving hand of God wrap around you and just love on you? That's real faith. That's real faith. Lord, just squeeze my hand. Lord, just let me know that you're there. My whole life just fell apart. I don't feel like I can hardly hold my hand. But if you just, I, just squeeze my hand, I, I know everything's going to be all right. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever, I, this is so hard to explain until you've experienced it. If some young convert here, there's no way I could explain this to him. I'm just trusting that somebody here can help me with this. But how can, you know, I preach on emotions all the time, but how can your emotions be telling you it'll never get better, there is no answer, you know, on and on and on, just negative, 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 negative. And then on the other hand, I feel so loved and I feel God so close and he's being so real. How can you do that at the same time? I want to quit church, but I can't because the love of God so much. I, I, there's no answer, but, but I feel like God's going to take care of it. The, the, it. It seems like everyone's let me down, but it seems like God is just so close. I've never been so close to God. That's the love of God shed abroad in your life. And, and if you haven't experienced that, you don't understand what I'm talking about. So, and now again, we don't have a lot of new converts here this morning, but if you haven't, very, very serious, very, very serious. If you haven't experienced what I just preached, all you got to do is pray God will let your life fall apart and you'll get to experience that. 
All right. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, just pray for problems. Just pray God will send you some really, really bad problems and you'll get to experience everything I'm preaching about. All right. We see people in the church that's been there a long time and say, man, I, I want to be just like them. Well, pray for problems. Pray for some tribulation. Pray God will let your life fall apart. Because here's the, here's the sad news. There's no way to get there other than going through problems. It is the way it is. So proven, proven faith. In case you're keeping score, in case you're sitting back here nervously saying, oh my gosh, it took him a half hour to get through point one. We're going to be here all day. Point two and point three are not nearly as long, okay? Because I know it's how some of you judge this message. So, so moving right along, uh, the, the pr- first point is going to be very long. The, the second two will be very short. <clears throat> so if all of that is true, would we not agree, we're still talking about proven faith, would we not agree that if you say you are saved, but you're all the time going back out into the world, your faith is not proven. Your faith is not proven. Listen, it doesn't matter that you came to the altar and prayed. It doesn't matter how long you sang in the church. It doesn't matter what office you held. If you're always going back out into the world, that is a real question mark that your faith is not real. In other words, it gets hard, you quit. Things get ugly, you give up. That's not a very good sign that you have proven faith. If I continue, I have preached, I want, to make this, I want to make this crystal, crystal clear to you guys. I have preached over and over and over and over again that all of you guys are sinners. Because that's what the Bible says, by the way. You're all sinners. And I have preached that all of you guys sin still today because it is true. And that is very clear biblically. But let me make it crystal clear. The Bible does not allow for us to sin. You say, preacher, that is confusing. Well, what the Bible says is that with all of my heart, I ought to be obedient. And the, very, the apostle Paul said when he was doing his very best, sometimes he still did things he shouldn't do. But he didn't say, hey, it's okay, God said I could. He said, I'm striving to be the very best obedience uh, Christian that I can be. And when my flesh fails me, I just get back up and do better the next time. So nothing that I've ever preached should give you the idea that as a Christian, we are allowed to sin and do uh, do it willingly. But we will let God down. Can I hear an amen? But here's the thing. I want to make this real clear. I believe real faith keeps us from sinning. So we're trying to determine what is real faith. Not only does real faith not quit, but real faith continues to grow and grow closer to God. And so if you have real faith, you're you're going to be prone to obedience. You're going to be prone to doing what's right. You're going to be prone to living a godly life. And so if if you say, well, I know I'm saved, but you're just all the time running over into sin, you're just all the time running over into sin, you're living the life of rebellious... I have to question if that's real faith because real faith lives a life of obedience. Amen? Are you guys with me on that? So real faith doesn't quit. Proven faith doesn't quit. And proven faith doesn't run back to sin. So because I have remained obedient, my faith is, in, in, is intact. My faith is proven faith. Does that make sense to you guys? Am I, am I making any sense at all? We're, we're looking at a proven faith. <clears throat> my assurance comes from knowing my faith is real. I don't know my faith is real until it has been tested. So the whole thing we're preaching to you is that we're saved by faith. And then we got to figure out, is my faith real? So I know my faith is real because I'm living a, a obedient life to the word of God and I don't give up and quit. And when I do that, it proves that my faith is real and that it wasn't a generic faith that wasn't real. Amen? All right, thank you. So 
I kind of hate to have to preach this next point, but I think it is necessary. And, and I need you guys to get to I'm really wanting us to understand what salvation is. But point number two, confusing faith. I, I mean this very, very seriously. I, I touched on this a few weeks back, but I mean this very, very seriously. You can have real faith and be ignorant. Can we be ignorant? You say, preacher, are you, you're being very unkind or disrespectful. This has nothing to do with your educational ability. This has nothing to do, this just has to do with you don't know the Bible. Okay? So what are we going to do with a person who genuinely really gets saved, but they've never been taught how to live? What are we going to do with that person? Because that person may live a lifestyle of sin because no one's ever taught them not to live a lifestyle of sin. Now, that's way above my pay grade. You know, I, I, I told someone in his church just recently, maybe you guys don't know this, so I'll let you guys in on this, what I told this other person in church, but I'm not God, okay? <laughs> I'm not God, right? I don't get to decide who's saved and who's not. That's not my job, not my calling. But I do believe that there is a possibility, though I believe real faith will make you live an obedient life and real faith will keep you from going back out into to sin, I do believe that. I do believe that there are Christians who are ignorant. There are people that, I've said this, but there are people who have literally spent their entire life in church 30 and 40 years who know nothing about the Bible. They know no doctrine. They know, no, they, they know nothing about the Bible. Right? They've got those three favorite verses they can quote and that's all they know. Can that person do a whole lot of things they shouldn't do because they've never been taught? So if obedience is doing what you know is right, whosoever knoweth to do good and doeth it not unto him it is sin. What if you don't know to do good? What if you don't know to do good? Your preacher's never told you to do good. So I have a scenario for you. Me and Renee was talking about this uh, yesterday. Uh, here, here's a scenario for you. So you go to a church and you are genuinely saved and you have real faith, but your shepherd, your pastor, every time a problem comes along, he can barely hold his head up. Oh, woe is me. I think I'm going to quit. I don't think I can go on any farther. Life's just so bad. The church you got to pray for, I don't think I mean. What will you probably do as a Christian? The same thing that pastor's doing. Right? I know I, have a, I know I have a label around here of being very uncaring, and I, I know that that's how most everybody thinks about me, that I'm very cold and uncaring, but I just kind of have this thing. <clears throat> my mama, my mom, everybody knows how my mom is, okay? But, <laughs> but I'm thankful how I was raised. Now, I don't, think there's a, I don't think there's a woman on the planet that loves her kids any more than my mom. She, and I think she's the best mom on the planet. I, I love my mom with everything. But this is how my mom is. When I was a little kid, this is how my mom is. Maybe it's the reason. Maybe it's the reason I've been thinking a lot. This is the reason why I'm the way I am. But if I would go, if I'd really go get hurt real, real, real bad, I mean, just tear myself all to pieces, you know what my mom would say? It ain't that bad. You'll be all right. It was always that way. It was always. You know what that did? I'm not a sissy. I'm not a sissy. Right. When we first had kids, Renee was like, oh, Josh is going to hurt himself. I said, he's supposed to break several bones before he leaves home. That's, the best, that's what he has to do. And I was expecting it. And then, and then when Josh would get hurt, Renee's like, oh, my baby. And I said, no, he, he's fine. He'll be all right. Don't, don't babe, make him a man. But I'm being serious. When I go to my mom now, to still 55 years old, when I go to my mom now, and I say, mom, I'm not doing good. Man, I don't, everybody's turned against me. I'm not doing good. You know what she says? Son, ain't that bad. Get over it. It ain't that bad. Get over it. I'm like, well, I thought I'd get a little sympathy from you. 
And then I turned to Renee, and she says, pack, 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 pack. I said, okay, I guess I'm not having a pity party today. <laughs> all right, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm back in this thing. But in all seriousness, that's what we need. And, and what I'm trying to point out to you is, if you're raised in an environment that says a pity party is a very good thing to have, and your pastor will show you the example of what that looks like, you may go through your life every time you have a problem, uh, letting your lip drag the bottom of the ground, because that's the example set before you. You're ignorant. You're ignorant because you've not been taught. If someone was to teach you, hopefully you'd quit doing that. But you've not been taught. So I believe that we can have ignorance and, and have real faith and not really maybe look like what we're supposed to. I believe we can believe wrong doctrine. And, and I'll try to get to this quickly. But I believe that I believe there are Christians who are genuinely saved who have just been taught wrong and their doctrine's all messed up. And they don't look like they're supposed to look. They don't look like Christians should look. But is it possible they have real, real faith, but their doctrine is wrong? Maybe you don't understand that, but if you've been taught, if you've been taught it's okay to do all these worldly things and that's just fine, if you've been taught it's okay to, to sin and God understands, if you've been taught all these different things, if you've been taught that you're saved by being good and you're going to keep yourself by being good, if you've been taught all these wrong doctrines, you're going to live a very warped Christian life and though your faith may be real, you probably look at you and say, I'm not sure if he's saved or not, but can I just say, I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm pretty sure I'm not looking at anybody's God, Okay. So I don't get to say that they're saved now, but I'm just trying to say there is a confusing faith. And that faith does not look like a Bible-believing Christian. It does not act or live like a Bible-believing Christian. But it is possible that they have faith uh, that they just uh, are ignorant or they've been taught wrong. And I believe this with all of my heart. You can do what you want to with it. I've based my entire pastorship on this. I, I believe this with everything that's in me. Everything that I have done and will do in the future rests on this statement right here. You can write it down if you want to. Maturity comes with depth in doctrine. Maturity comes with depth in doctrine. And what that simply says is this. If you don't know the Bible, you're not mature. And when you grow in depth, that's what we're trying to do here at church, when you grow in depth of doctrine, you mature. And if you go to this church, <clears throat> so if you go to this church, there are certain things that are just not accepted at this church. It's not, it's, not, it's not acceptable by anybody because it's been preached on and proven by the Bible that it's wrong. So we have a depth of, of, of maturity by depth and doctrine. And so if you do that in this church, we won't run you out. We'll just know you're not doing what God says. Right? We'll just know you're not doing what God says, so it's clear. So, so, so that, but there are those who don't know, and, and they live a life of ignorance or, or, or uh, believing wrong doctrine. So um, <clears throat> you can write this down if you'd like. Try to remember it anyways. I think this is very important in our conversation. So the, the, we just, we're just talking about confusing faith. So again, it is someone with real faith that is, is either ignorant or they believe wrong doctrine. And so don't, they don't look like a Christian. Maybe this person's been back out in the world living. Maybe this person's not living uh, by the uh, commands of God. So this is, what I, this is what I believe. Confusing faith, that faith we just described, does not give us assurance. 
So let me give you a hypothetical. We have a brother come into the church. He comes out and he gets saved. He comes to church here. He continues to go back out and live an ungodly life. He continues to lie and cuss and, you know, do all kinds of ungodly things. And we, and we try to, to, to tell him uh, um, how he's supposed to live. Maybe he, maybe he says, well, I'm going to go on down the road to this church. Maybe he doesn't know anything about church. He goes down the road. I'm going to go down the road to this church where they don't preach against that, where I can live I want to. That person does not look like a Christian. Okay? You guys with me? That person does not look like a Christian. Technically, if they really got saved, they could be a Christian. But I am certainly not going to say, hey, they prayed at our church. I know they're going to heaven. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, by the way they look, it don't look like a Christian to me. Uh, but by the way, I'm not God. Right? I'm not God. So what I'm trying to point to you is the assurance kind of goes out the window. I believe there's a lot of people in this church who have been tried in the fire. They've been proven. They are, they are solid Christians. I don't know if anybody's saved. I literally don't know, except for myself, I don't know that anybody is saved. I have faith in a lot of you, but I don't know if anybody's saved. But, but I believe there's some track records here that are pretty good. And I believe that if, that, if, that if a lot of you here were to die, I would, you know, again, I'm not God, but I believe that I could stand before your, before your casket and say, I believe they made it. Their track record. If you are living a life of sin and you confess to be a Christian, I don't have that assurance to say, well, I know they're saved. I don't know that you're saved. You don't look like you're saved, but God, that's between you and God. If you're living a lifestyle of sin, that doesn't look like a Christian to me. Does this make sense to anybody? So it brings doubt on assurance because of the, the way that you are living. It produces a, so, so confusing faith does not give assurance. It produces faith and hangs eternity on a feeling and on chance. Did you get that? Let me read it again. Confusing faith does not give assurance. There's no assurance there. It produces a faith and it, it, it produces faith and hangs eternity on feeling and chance. So what I am saying by that is you hope you're going to heaven. You hope you got the real thing. You, you look at your life, there's not a lot of evidence. There's not much proof. It could go either way. So we stand before, the, before you laying in the casket and we say he's in the hands of a just God. <laughs> His lifestyle didn't really look like He said he got saved. Listen, I've had that happen to me many, many times. I've had people who said, well, I, I, I prayed to prayer before I, got, before I died. Or someone would say, well, yeah, well, I was with them. They prayed to pray before they died. Well, great. Maybe they did get saved, but they never lived a lifestyle as Christian. So I can't say, well, I know they're in a better place because I don't. But I also am not God to say, I know their heart. Am I making sense to anybody? Confusing faith takes out a lot of the, the concrete things we're supposed to have. Wouldn't it be great if I could just preach to you this morning, everything's black and white. You either get saved, live right, never quit, and do everything right, or if you don't, you're going to hell. But there's some confusing faith. And I want everybody here to have proven faith. I want everybody here to know that you're saved. But there are people in other churches that will do things we say, well, Christians shouldn't do that. Maybe their pastors never told them they shouldn't do that. Will you guys have that? Will you, will you guys have that? Maybe they're doing the best they can. They're just completely ignorant. Uh, again, above my pay grade. So the last one, real simple, real easy. Everyone understands this. False faith. The devils believe and tremble. The devil's not going to heaven, by the way. There are a lot of people who believe and tremble. They're, they're all over this world, there are people who believe. There are people who say, I have prayed a prayer and I've been saved. There are people who say, I believe in God. There are all kinds of things. But false faith 
still lives a sinful life. False faith will quit when it gets hard. False faith has a, has a repeating cycle of leaving God. <clears throat> Problems come, that faith fails. It's pretty clear to say that person's not saved. It's pretty clear that person's not saved. It's a false faith. So we have proven faith that we can say, I'm going to heaven. We have false faith, say that, that really isn't salvation. And then we have that confusing faith in the middle of a lot of people who just are ignorant. And so my job is to tell you what real faith is. My job is to make sure that all of you have proven faith and that know that you're going to heaven. Uh, my job is that anyone will come in in the future with this evangelism we're, we're trying to get going on everything else, that anyone who come in, that they would understand what real faith is. But we, if I could say this in a kind way, <clears throat> we rub shoulders with a whole lot of churches. Not all churches are taught right. Are you guys with me? And, and I think it's very good to associate with a lot of churches and you know, have fellowship with them and everything. And, and I'm not in any way drawing a picture. We're the only ones that are right. I'm not pointing at drawing that picture. But there, I'm just simply saying there's a lot of people you can go around. You can have big camp meetings and great big things. And you have people coming from all different places and all different churches. And a lot of people who may be your brother and sister is not living like us. All right? Amen. Let's let God be God. Anybody in favor of that? Let's let God be God. <laughs> <laughs> I can say clearly that is not a biblical Christian. I have no problem with that. I can judge them they are wrong. I can judge them they're not doing what the Bible says. I can judge them they're definitely not a good Christian. But I don't really get to judge their heart and say, I know they're not saved. Because that's God's job. Amen? Amen? And, you know, if I could use Terry and Wilma, for example, they, they've been such a blessing to me. They've, they've been saved 40, 50 years, been in church a long, long time. Since they've been into church, they have given me no reason whatsoever. In all the years they've been coming here, they've given me not, not one time have they given me any thought that I don't think they're saved. I, they've given every indication through good and bad that they are genuinely proven faith-filled Christians. Amen? Do I know they're saved? They might be a big bunch of phonies, just really, really good actors, right? They might just be really, really good actors. I say, I know they're going. No, I don't know they're going to heaven. I'm not God. I'm pretty sure they are. I've, they sure look like they are, but I don't know. My, my son, I have the greatest confidence in my son, my daughter, my, my, my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law, um, and even my two grandsons, if I'm able to say that. I have the utmost confidence in them. I really, 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 really believe they're saved. So especially, you know, I don't know that they're saved. I live with Renee. I've said this many times. If there's any person to make it to heaven, it'll be Renee. And I really mean that. If there's any person to make it to heaven, it'll be Renee. I, I've said that for years. And I, I mean, and, it, and maybe one reason is that, because I live with her day in and day out. And, and she is not perfect, but she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus all her heart. But you know, as hard as it is to say, I don't know that she's saved. Is anybody with me? I don't get to be God. <laughs> he didn't ask me to fill in, okay? So I have to say, I believe my kids are going to heaven. I believe my wife is going to heaven, uh, but I know I'm going to heaven. But I, I believe you guys are going with me, but I don't get to be God. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth 
provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.